Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Let's talk money. Let's talk budgets. Let's talk federal budgets. Uh, we covered the story extensively, of course, uh, a week or so ago when conservative leader Pierre Polyev uh, tried to block the federal government's uh, budget bill from passing. Remember that? He said, you know, we want to rewrite the whole bill and, and you know, we'll spend the, the whole summer doing that. And then then he threatened to filibuster uh, the passage of the bill. That lasted a couple of hours until they turned the lights out and said everybody go home and it passed. But his assertion, though, is is basically this, that government spending, especially the way this the Trudeau government is doing it, is what's driving inflation. And and that's exactly what he maintains. And, and he's mentioned that time and time again. Uh, and there are those that agree with him. There are those who disagree with him. Uh, you know, it, what is happening? And it's important to all of us. This is not just a political question anymore. Uh, because uh, Tiff Macklin from the Bank of Canada, uh, when he saw the latest blip, said, well, we may have to raise interest rates again. And that's going to impact you and me in one way or another. So the question is, 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 does this government spending that's going on these days, does that actually fuel inflation? Uh, I want to bring our next guest in to talk about this and give us some perspective. Moshe Lander is a senior economics lecturer at Concordia University. Uh, Moshe, pleasure to have you back on the program. Thanks for spending some time with us this morning. Always a pleasure. Let's cut to the quick here. I mean, is, is he a little bit right, a little bit wrong? Is, is there a direct correlation between government spending and inflation? He's a little bit right. He's a little bit wrong. And there's no direct correlation. So uh, it's the perfect economic situation that everybody can claim they're correct and everybody can claim that the other side is wrong. Okay, so what what is happening here? I mean, uh, we we do know that, you know, on a, on a theoretical basis, as you've told us, uh, you know, consumer spending is certainly a factor in this. But what about government spending? Because the other side of that coin people are going to throw on the table here is that's what governments do. I mean, you know, they're supposed to take our tax money and spend it on things that are going to enhance our lifestyles and, and a number of other things like that. So it's it's inevitable there's going to be government spending, isn't there? Yeah, and, and there's nothing wrong with government spending. It just has to be the right government spending. And so the issue really boils down to is if the government is spending on something that boosts the long-run capacity of the economy, that's not necessarily inflationary. But if the government is merely spending on something that's transitory, temporary, and not going to boost that long-run capacity, then it does have the capacity to be inflationary. So, you know, we now have to start doing line-by-line item analysis of the government budget and saying, all right, are you spending on stuff that is boosting that long-run capacity? But we've developed, and I think a lot of us probably have come to expect uh, governments to be there when when we hit hard times, and and certainly that the CERB benefit comes to mind. Of course, during the pandemic, that might be an extreme example, but we're always looking for things like that uh, to say to try to get us over the hump or to try to you know help us out in situations like that. Uh, and and I, I know there are there are you know economists like yourself that are saying, well, that's that's not really what government should be doing. But we we insist on this, and governments do respond to public opinion. And that's, you know, where the disconnect comes then between Tiff Macklem, who's an unelected, uh, powerful uh, person within the economy, and politicians who are also powerful but do have to face elections, right? That's the nature of the, the democracy that we live in. So, you know, it, I've always contended that uh, it, it's almost like Plato's idea of the philosopher king, right? That when we, when we have a, a populace that does not understand economics and views the government as just one sort of nebulous blob and we say, well, the government should fix it, uh, it, it's much, much more complicated than that. And so politicians will often exploit the fact that the voters are not fully informed of what their government does 
Uh, and they, they can run rings around them and say, all right, you guys want spending and that's what's going to win the election. Then here you go, spending for all. Uh, and when things go sideways, then this is exactly where we find ourselves now, that they start sniping at each other saying, you messed things up. No, I didn't. This is your fault. And uh, everybody just rolls their eyes and say, oh, it's kids being kids again. So it's, it's you know, spending bad you know, during during these times. We, we, we get that. Does it matter what we're spending it on, uh, what yeah, consumers it, are spending it on and what governments are spending it on? Yeah, it's hugely important, right? So let, let's use a personal example then, right? So if you were to take, say, those SERB payments that you referenced earlier, and you were to use it to finance a Vegas long weekend, probably not <laughs> useful. Uh, I mean, you might hit it big, but the reality is that that doesn't leave anything lasting. Uh, but if you were to use that to, say, finance uh, going back and getting a, a master's degree, or you're going to go and, and uh, build an extension onto your home, uh, that is something that boosts your long-run capacity, right? So it, it's it's the same thing with the government then. If the government is handing out money uh, and all it's doing is just getting us through the next six months or helping us deal with inflation, well, uh, that's probably not providing long-run benefits and that itself could become inflationary. But if the government is handing money to people saying, this is to help you retrofit your home, make it more environmentally friendly, to try and reduce your carbon footprint, well, that does have the capacity then to boost the long run potential of the economy. And so it's still the same money going into people's pockets, but maybe the way that it's spent is having a different impact on the inflation rate within the economy. So how do you, I was going to say, how do you ensure that? I don't know if you can ever ensure that, but how do you, how do you guide people along that path to say, yeah, the money's here, but you got to do this with it? Uh, you know, those, those, I guess, have to be very specific government programs with guardrails as opposed to what a lot of politicians love to say these days, Moshe, is I'm going to put a check in the mail for you, Moshe, and, you know, you go, go ahead and do what you want. You can spend it on your mortgage if you want, or you can go to Vegas. I mean, they, they don't really put any, any conditions on it. Yeah, and I think the reason that they don't is, again, because if, if we're playing politics with the economy, then if you were to try and pass some sort of legislation that said that you'll give me money, but it's conditional on how I spend it, I would immediately come back at you and say, who are you to tell me how to spend my money? Just give me the check and I'll spend it whichever way I want, right? And and any uh, opposition party would recognize right away that we could accuse the government of infringing on our basic freedoms and rights and uh and because the voter doesn't really understand what is what is necessary here, uh, that's where the potential for politics to trump economics comes into play. Uh, we could say that we should educate the, the populace a little more in the basics of economics and how just all government spending isn't necessarily good or bad, but uh, trying to get 40 million people to wrap their heads around economic ideas maybe is a little impractical too. So. I think it's one of those situations where we just have to cross our fingers and hope that either there's a government that says, look, I understand economics, you might not, but I don't care whether you do or don't. Uh, this is good for you, whether you like it or not. Uh, but, you know, that that's really difficult these days. I, I think that uh, in a Twitter world of, you know, 100 characters or less, it's really hard to get that message across. Well, exactly. And and there's probably only a handful of politicians that seem to have the, the, the backbone to say this is the way it's going to be. Uh, I think you and I have talked in the past about uh, when Paul Martin was the finance minister and uh, our, our finances were in pretty rough shape and, and he made some tough decisions and uh, he wasn't getting Christmas cards from a lot of the people in the civil service but uh, and, and uh, municipalities because he basically turned the tap off. Uh, but it got us out of the, the hole we were in. So, and, But you're right, that's pre 
uh, internet and pre Twitter and everything else. So, I mean, you know, we, we don't have those opportunities, nor do the, the people that want to, to, to tear those, the minister down in that particular case, they don't have those platforms anymore. So maybe you can get away with it not then, but not so much now. You're the scrutiny here is incredible. It is. And, and you know, we, we've talked before um, when I've been on uh, about in this particular case, this prime minister grew up at the dinner table of another prime minister. Right. And so I'm sure that he learned some lessons about that. You know, his father would do things that says, you know, I don't care whether you like it or not. This is what's right for Canada. This is why you put me in charge and uh, we'll deal with the consequences later. But, you know, unfortunately, some of the decisions that he made, which might have been good for the Canadian economy, uh, have ramifications 50 years later, where, for example, the liberals are toxic in in Western Canada. Right. Um, At the time, it was probably the correct thing to do. Uh, but history has, you know, a, a different opinion on it. So I, I, I think that in general, politicians have an impossible task to play here where they can do what is economically right, uh, but they're, they're going to be scrutinized, criticized and blasted in a way that they can't defend themselves. Even, even beyond social media, we have such a, a range of TV that if the prime minister went on TV 30 years ago, 50 years ago, uh, the entire country would see it. Now, the entire country would probably not see it because they're watching uh, a variety of channels that aren't going to be carrying that. So you can't even take a 30-minute uh, uh, bit of, of time to explain to Canadians why you're doing what you're doing and why this is good for them uh, because nobody's going to see it anyway. All right. Just if I can follow through with the, the government spending aspect again, if they were to, to see the light, as, as, as some economists would say, come on, you know, knock it off. Let's, let's speak another phrase that we're all used to now, fiscal responsibility. If they stop spending in, in many of those areas, does it, is there a direct correlation between that and the possibility that inflation would decrease significantly if they did? Again, it's a little bit mixed, right? If they decide to cut all spending, right, some of that spending could be uh, you know, pensions, uh, spending on seniors, spending on health care, that has the capacity to destroy the long run potential of the economy, right? And so in that case, then, yeah, it, it wouldn't be inflationary, but it could actually have the opposite impact. So again, the government has to decide that there are certain things that they absolutely have to spend on because that's just socially responsible. And if it has other consequences, well, unfortunately, social responsibility maybe trumps those things. Uh, but again, it, it, it's not so easy to just say, well, they should just stop spending. They should stop spending on things that aren't delivering long-run benefits and that are not essential, and they can do their part then to try and remove some of that inflationary pressure. So the chances of, of governments actually getting that message and, and having it resonate are pretty slim. But according to the numbers we've seen over the last six to eight weeks, Moshe, it's, it's the same deal with the public, isn't it? I mean, we, 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 we've been told time and time again, uh, stop spending money frivolously, and yet we see, still seem to be doing it. And, and so we're probably our own worst enemies here, aren't we? We're, yes, definitely our own worst enemies, uh, but we're probably beloved by the Taylor Swifts of the world that are making huge amounts of money because of our frivolous spending. So, you know, again, it's one of those things that... Um, when things go bad, we're going to look for a scapegoat. And it's the same thing with the government then, that when things go bad, you know, opposition says, well, you did this mess. And they say, well, we're better than you when you were in charge. And the same thing here. If interest rates go up again, then we're going to look for somebody to blame. And we're going to say, well, I guess this is the government then, because it couldn't possibly be me uh, that's responsible for this interest rate hike. 
You're suggesting Taylor Swift tickets are not a good investment then. I just make a note of that. Uh, she's not coming to Canada anyway, so I guess it's a moot point. Uh, but, but, but along those lines, we always have to worry about those ramifications about exactly how we are spending it. Uh, and you brought up that ugly word once again, rate increase, or that rate, a phrase again, and Tiff Macklin is hinting at it uh, once again. Uh is is that imminent? I mean, do you, is some? I saw one article that suggested that's like taking a sledgehammer to a flea here because there was a little blip, uh, but you know, little blips I guess can add up, can't they? Yeah, and I'm not sure that the reason for the interest rate hike was because of the blip that was the increase in inflation. It was because of the bomb that was the increase in GDP, where a couple of months ago, you were having me on talking about the dreaded R word and could we be seeing a recession? And I'm saying, eh, if we have one, it's going to be mild and short. And instead, what we find out is the economy is growing at an above trend rate uh, I think that's what scared him was, whoa, like nobody seems to be reigning in their spending. So clearly uh, the interest rate hikes haven't had their desired effect. So here's another one to remind you, I'm still here. And if he's if he's cautioning that another one might be coming, I, I, I don't think that he's doing it to say, uh, you know, don't make me do it. I, I think he's trying to give warning that somewhere in the next three or four meetings, there's probably another interest rate increase coming. How much of, of uh, a factor is the, is the United States economy? Because uh, the Federal Reserve, the you know Tip Macklin's uh, contemporary, of course, on the other side of the of the border, has said they're nowhere to fit, nowhere near finished with interest rate hikes. That there's going to be a, a series of them probably going into the next uh, number of months. Anyway, uh, they can't do that and not have any, any impact on us, can they? Right. So when the U.S. increases their interest rate and we don't, usually what we see is that the Canadian dollar weakens. It doesn't necessarily happen right in that moment. It could be even happening in advance that if we believe that the Americans are going to increase and we're not, the dollar could start sliding today. Uh, when the Canadian dollar gets weak, of course, everybody knows it's good for exports in Canada and it's bad for imports. Uh, but if you think about what it means then that it's good for exports, it means that there's now another source of demand in the economy, not just local demand, but now foreign demand is showing up saying, we want some of your goods and services too. So that itself then could become inflationary, precipitating an interest rate increase. So, you know, to some extent, it's not just because the Fed increases their interest rates, we increase ours. It's that if we don't necessarily match them, then we have this possibility that inflation could seep in from foreign demand. We're not about to start putting trade restrictions on. We're not going back to blocking NAFTA and things like that. But uh, the Bank of Canada has to weigh do we want to increase interest rates to try and protect the dollar or do we want to kind of control our own interest rates when is the right time for us how much is the right amount and see what that does to export and imports uh and causing inflation uh, I, I don't think it's necessarily as strong as it used to be uh but their economy still exerts influence on us moshe always a pleasure thanks so much for spending some time with us today always entertaining anytime. and always educational anytime the Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.